You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest is our good friend and buddy, the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, Bruce Cameron. We're going to be talking to Bruce about his latest work, The Dog Master novel of the first dog so we're excited about that we'll talk to him about it's really really intriguing book a slight departure from some of the things bruce has written uh, recently and uh, definitely uh, an intriguing novel so we want to talk to him a little more about that as well as all the wonderful things he's got going on in his world so everybody just hang tight we're going to come right back with bruce cameron you're listening to animal rights on pet life radio sit stay we'll be right back after a short pause well, four to be exact. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9 makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9 makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series Tank and Pit Boss online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo! Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and joining me now is best selling author Bruce Cameron. Bruce, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. It's great to be here again. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Always great keeping up on uh, the things you're doing and uh, the latest work, The Dog Master. Tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad somebody's keeping up with what I'm doing because I feel like all I'm doing is falling behind. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. In your introduction, you said it was a departure for me, and that really made me sit up and pay attention because, to me, it is a really a logical place to go if you're the guy like I am who writes who writes dog books. I'm the dog book guy, right? Right. And I love that because I love dogs and I love being assigned the duty of bringing to life these joyous, optimistic creatures. So it seemed to me to be a very logical step to write about the very first dog, which wasn't really a dog at all. Of course, it was a domesticated wolf. It may be less uh, lighthearted, perhaps, than some of my other books. Certainly, The Dogs of Christmas is a, is a book about puppies at Christmas. I think that's a pretty lighthearted book. And I would agree that this is a much more dramatic, suspenseful novel, lots of plot twists, lots of characters, tribal warfare, all kinds of things going on. But I don't know that I would call it a departure. Yeah, well, I'm glad you uh, glad you referenced it that way because it, it makes sense now that you mentioned that. But, you know, most of what you're known for, at least in, in my world, from when reading uh, The Dog's Purpose and Dog's Journey and, and all the other wonderful stuff that you put out, it's about, you know, a, a guy and a dog or guy and dogs and type things. It's sort of a, to me, it's a, a relationship type of thing. And though this one is too a relationship, you're really going back in time, as you said, the first dog and first wolf, how that 
came about. And so that's where, for me, it was like, wow, this is uh, this is really interesting because you had to do your homework on this one, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Writing the Dogmaster wasn't just like sitting down and saying, okay, well, well what was life like when I was a little boy? Uh, this is 30,000 years ago. I was, you know. I was not even born. Yeah, you were very young back in those days. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. So life, it turns out, for the human species was incredibly challenging back then. Because not only did we have to contend with the fact that we were not yet masters of any of the technologies that has helped us prevail in today's world, and we didn't have any of the medicines, and we were still susceptible to all the injuries and infections that plague us to this day, but without any way to address those, say, antibiotics. On top of that, it was the start of the last great ice age. Ice was pushing out of the north into the trees where we, as descendants from apes, had always lived and lived very safely and comfortably, at least to the extent one can do so. It was a complete difference when we had to leave the trees and go out of the steps to the plains where there were these animals that don't exist today, these woolly mammoth, gigantic, elephant-like creatures with the huge tusks and the what we think were probably pretty mean tempers, gigantic lions and bears that were the size of elephants. We were out there competing with not only animals of tooth and claw and speed, but we were prey to them. And so, you know, today, when we look at wolves, we think of wolves as being very dog-like, but also very elusive and afraid of us. But I'm going to bet 30,000 years ago when we hadn't had gunpowder and we hadn't eliminated the aggressive one through performing a sort of Darwinian selection on them, wolves probably regarded men and women as being easy pickings. <laughs> we were weak, slow, we probably tasted pretty good. So I'm, I'm thinking that's the circumstance of, of the dog master, the most dramatic, challenging point of human history just by nature alone. And then, of course, you've got starvation. There were very few of us. There were, you couldn't have filled a decent football stadium with all the humans that were running around at that time. And then there was a competitor, the Neanderthals. The Neanderthals are in the Dogmaster because they were still on the continent when, and I'm talking about the Eurasia, when the ice began to advance. And for some reason, though they were bigger, they were more muscular, faster, and they had bigger brains, we prevailed and they didn't. And I believe, and this is the thesis of the Dogmaster, I believe it is because we befriended a mortal enemy. We befriended the wolf and somehow got the wolf to be our companion. And when that happened, it changed everything. It was like a destructive technology, as they call it. All of a sudden, we had an advantage that no other species had, which was an interspecial communication, a a connection, a friendship with these magnificent creatures who, you know, really wolves were uh, among the most feared animals back at that time because they hunted in these vicious packs. And there weren't that many animals that were doing that kind of thing. Uh, There were some hyenas, but they were mostly driven away uh, at that point. There weren't that many hyenas, and there were other smaller animals, but this was the top of the food chain, these wolves, and they became our friends. And when I started thinking about the Dogmaster, I started thinking about how am I going to describe this, and I realized something extraordinary had, had to have happened because we were not friends. They were hunting us. We were competing with them for the same food source. We were starving. So it's not as if we would just say, oh, we're starving, but let's take some food away from our kids and give it to the wolf. So we wouldn't have done that. 
and the wolves would not have readily accepted us approaching them. And and uh, it's very difficult to get close to a wolf pup when there's a female wolf around in the wild. You can ask anybody who's tried it. Mm-hmm. So how in the world did this happen? The dog master, any truth to it, it has to describe an extraordinary, unique event. So what you're basically saying is we as the humans really didn't know what the heck we were doing. The wolves did. So we befriended the wolves and they uh, allowed us to thrive. So it's the old Well, story. isn't it? We, we probably knew what we were doing, but we were just another animal. Okay. If you think back to the time of when the dog master takes place, it's called the Upper Paleolithic. And we had started forming societies and we had started, we were in tribes and we had a lot going on for us. But I don't think we saw ourselves as masters of the planet. I think we saw ourselves as being like any other species, just trying to get by, just day-to-day living. See what the world throws at you this morning and try to be alive at night. So we were fairly sophisticated. There's evidence that we had all kinds of things like marriage. We didn't have written language, but uh, symbols start showing up. Cave paintings date back to this era. And the cave paintings show people hunting in cooperation with one another, which is the only way, frankly. Like the, You look at the what the elk were like back in uh, this time of our survival, this time in history. Elk were really more like moose. They were like giant moose. Right. And it would have been pretty tough to take down a moose with a weapon that was basically a, a rock driven into the stubby end of a stick a sharpened rock. I mean, that we had to cooperate. And that's why it's so extraordinary, though. You, you feel like, so these, you sneak up on an elk, everybody throws their spears, the elk gets wounded and takes off, and then everybody's got to chase it. And it's bleeding, so all the predators in the area smell it. By the time you get to it, it might be surrounded by lions. All of that changed when we began to hunt with wolves because then the wolves would chase down the elk. And when the elk fell, they would worry it, bring it down more quickly. And when it fell, they would guard it. So when the humans finally got to their kill, uh, there wouldn't be any other predators there because no predator is going to approach a bunch of wolves. So everything changed for us. And I believe that it was at that point that we began to consider, well, why don't we domesticate other things? You know, we're always scavenging for crops, for food, but we've kind of figured out that we, you know, these seeds that we eat, some of them, if we drop them, they seem to grow new bushes with new berries. What if we did that on purpose? Would that work? I think it it changed everything in our relationship with the planet. So really, what I describe in the Dog Master is the most dramatic, important development in the history of our species. And it all came about due to the wolf. It all came about due to a wolf. That's the thing. That's the, that's the part where you have to use your imagination. A wolf and a man. Because it wouldn't, evolution is, it's like the water torture process of life. It takes forever. So for wolves to get more and more and more comfortable with humans, that just doesn't make any sense. It had to have happened under an extraordinary circumstance where all the rules were broken. And one man and one wolf came together and formed the first man-canine relationship. And that's what I imagined in the Dogmaster, how that happened. 
Very, very cool. Now, I have to ask you this then. Okay, so how did this come about? Because we know the work that you've been doing. Is it you as a writer, do you have this plethora of all these different ideas that pop into your mind? You're writing them down to think what is going to be a good story? Or is it more of you wake up in the middle of the night and find this great story? Or is it the fact that you have a great passion for history and things of this sort and uh, tying it in with you know wolves and dogs, etc.? Those all three of those choices are smarter than the what's really true about this book. <laughs> uh, I forgot to, forgot to ask. Did it involve alcohol? That's always the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it in, it involved a scruffy little twenty five pound dog named Tucker who is sitting oh, at yes. my feet right now, staring at me because he thinks I might have a little bit of sandwich for him, and I I'm not going to tell him that I don't. I'm going to let him think I do. Tucker, uh, I was reading that all dogs, even my little Tucker, has have wolf DNA. They all have wolf DNA because they are all basically descended from this line of wolves 30,000 years ago. So I started thinking about that. I, I mean, I know that now we humans have completely taken over the breeding of dogs, both when it happens by accident and on purpose. I mean, if you live next door to a Shih Tzu and you've got a Schnauzer and they're, neither one of them are fixed, chances are really good you're going to wind up with some Schnauzer Shih Tzu puppies. <laughs> That's right. And then I don't know what you'd call it, uh, schnauzers <laughs> or something. Anyway, so yeah, you would, and, uh, and then also, you know, we bred the Labrador and the Boxer. We bred the Dachshund. We bred Pugs. We, we figured out how to just sort of push the Darwinian process in the direction that we wanted. And canines proved to be very quickly adaptable to changing. I read a study where they were able to strengthen a Boxer's tail a family of boxers, they were able to strengthen the tail so it didn't break when it hit things, because that's why you bob a boxer's tail, is because it's too weak. And they were able to do it in nine generations. So that's pretty darn fast. So that led me to like look at Tucker and then try to picture, well, I'm going back in the time now, and I'm trying to get to that wolf, and I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. And the more I read about it, the more I read about those times, the Paleolithic times, this epic time in our history where it was just really tough to survive and it was getting worse. We had climate change on a scale that we can't even fathom today. We think we've got climate change now, but you're talking about sheets of ice that are advancing and actually plowing trees over. And you're talking about there might be a summer where it snows every day in the summer, or it might be a completely normal day. I mean, it was, there was wild gyrations and and fluctuations, which is really difficult. So all I started thinking about what it must have been like to live back then and what a great setting for a story and kind of what a fertile garden in which to plant my imagination because at the time I write about in the Todd Master, there was no written language. We have no recording of what happened or what was going on. We can say absolutely nothing about any individual that was alive. We can only hazard a guess as to what it must have been like for them as our species was back then. And the Neanderthals, and what were they like, and what were they doing? And then this then this highly unlikely meeting between dogs, or actually canines, wolves, and man, and the partnership that developed. All of that is completely unremarked. I've never even heard this story before. I've never read it anywhere. It's a story that needs to be told. So I loved writing about the very first dog. Yeah, it's real fascinating. The question when putting together this book, I mean, did you find it because you were so, you're always passionate about your work, obviously, so I won't put this the wrong way, but did you find some extra passion and it made the flow easier to write the book or did you find some unique challenges because you had to do some, you know, really historical fact finding to put together the book? 
Oh, I certainly had passion for the Dogmaster. The Dogmaster is, I mean, it's, I think it's my best book. I felt passion because I was taking some elements of, I wrote a book called Emery's Gift, it's a coming-of-age novel. Well, back in the Paleolithic, the average lifespan was around 15, 16 years old. Although if you made it to 15 or 16, you, you had a good shot at getting to 40 or 50 because the reason the lifespan was so short was because most people died before the age of three. So I was thinking about what that would do to a society. And today, you know, we put somebody at middle school at age 14 and we consider them to be a child. If you were uh, capable of fathering children or having a baby, you were an adult. So it's not a coming of age novel, but the main characters in The Dogmaster become adults when we would consider them to still be children. So it's very appealing if you like youth oriented literature, but it does also have adults that are in their 20s and 30s and a couple who are older who are all struggling to survive in this very trying time. There you go. It is fascinating. And I love how you said that. I love the passion behind it, Bruce. And the book is fantastic. It's really, it was different than I had expected in a, in a positive way. You know, it, as I mentioned before, it was really intriguing, the history behind it. And uh, it's getting people to think, I think, is a lot to do with as well as enjoying the journey and enjoying the, uh, you know, everything that goes on in the characters in the book. It's really, you did, did a great job. Did a great job. Yes, and thank you very much, and it wasn't easy. I mean, I had to, to write the Dogmaster. I had to do a lot of research into stuff I knew nothing about, absolutely nothing. And I talked to a lot of experts, and I got a real sense for what the current thinking is. But, you know, these are theories. Times change. I've already heard from some people who challenged some of my assumptions, and I cheerfully wrote them back and said, you know what? You could be as right as the, the archaeologists and the paleontologists that, that I correspond with. You could, you could be just as right as they are because nobody knows. Nobody knows. And that's why it's such an exciting, open field for us to, to write about. Although we do know what happened. Do know this is based on fact. That indeed, because of Tucker, because I can look down, look at Tucker looking up at me right now wanting that sandwich. And I know that it all started with one man and one wolf. There you go. Very exciting. Very exciting stuff. And, and Tucker saves the day again. I tell you, we're going to talk more about Tucker also. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> All right, everybody, hang tight. We're going to come back uh, right after these commercial breaks, talk a little bit more to Bruce Cameron about his uh, book, The Dog Master, as well as all the other wonderful things he's got going on. So everybody, hang tight. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Hey everybody, this is Tim Link, the host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Got some exciting news for you here today. My audiobook is now available. Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail is now available in audiobook form through audible.com, amazon.com, and iTunes. It's a collection of 32 conversations I've had with the animals. It's a fun, interesting, heartfelt book that's suitable for all age groups. So everybody pick up a copy of the audiobook, Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail. You'll be glad you did. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. And uh, rejoining me is the author of The Dog Master, a novel of the first dog, Bruce Cameron. Bruce, when you went through this book and you put it together, what, one question I had to ask was, had you been writing other books while this came about? Because it appears to me that you put a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into this book. Did it take you a lot longer than uh, usual to put together? And did you have other things happening at the same time? Yeah, it takes, all books take me a, close to a year. I had kind of a compressed publication schedule because I had a book out in October and a book out in April and now one in August. But now I have, uh, I've, and I've got another book that I've finished that, that will be out in about a year from now. So it's it's just, it takes a long time, mm-hmm. not only to write a book, but to uh, to see it come out, to see it published. That takes publisher more than a year. Mm-hmm. So it did take me a little longer because of the research and because of the complexity of all the plots. I had to keep, keep them all straight. But, you know, the life of a writer is that you're right. And so it's just a matter of saying, okay, this is the project I'm doing now and having that be the thing that I, that I write every day instead of, you know, task lists, which I seem to spend most of my time writing about the tasks that I'm supposedly going to be doing. I don't actually do the tasks. I just write, put them down <laughs> on a list. Yeah, I like that too. Mine's usually on a, a mass of sticky notes all over the computer. That's, that's my task yeah. list right there. Well, was there a certain lesson you learned or uh, after putting together the book and seeing it come out? Is there a, a big thing that you learned about this writing this book compared to maybe some of the others or uh, that you, you got the most out of from uh, writing the book? Well, I think that, yeah, I think that the lesson that I learned in writing The Dog Master was that, as Temple Grandin once said, animals make us human – and learning that the that there really isn't a good explanation for why the Neanderthals are gone and we're here. Nobody can explain that. And for for a long time, it was thought that the Neanderthals were simply one more chain link in the in the chain, and they were just you know you just were going back through time. Turns out, no, it's more like a tree, and the Neanderthals were a parallel branch. They were humans as well, not Homo sapiens, but they were like us, and they vanished. And we're not sure why, but my thinking is they vanished because that was the that was the fate of all humanoids. We were destined to go away because it was too hard. Just being smart wasn't enough. But then something extraordinary happened with this partnership with another species. And I believe that was the turning point. And it could just as easily have happened to a Neanderthal, but it happened to a homo sapien, and that human being and that that wolf went on to change the course of, of history. I learned that. I also, I, and also I, I'm talking about man and wolf and mankind and wolf. I have to say one of the fun things about the dog master is tinkering with what the tribes may have been like. And they, I don't know that I buy that they were necessarily male-dominated. So there are some very strong female characters in this novel, The Dogmaster, including the main tribe, the biggest tribe that we are contending with, has, is basically ruled by women. 
and men are the hunters, but they but they haven't men do their men thing and women do everything else. Very very similar to the way a lot of households have run in the past, where a woman may be running the household, but the man is you know he's doing his thing, she's doing her thing, and she just does more things. I hear that complaint mm. a lot from women, <laughs> and and this is uh, this is how I picture well then what would that look like as a tribe? That was fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and probably another good reason that they uh, survived, in addition to the wolf, because they had women running the thing. That could be. I mean, we'll see. They they are alive at the end of the Dogmaster. I'm intending to make the Dogmaster a series because there's just so much more that needs to be resolved. We still have this evil tribe of uh, called the Cohort that's out there that, that is so savage and bloodthirsty, and we've got more ice and snow is on the way. It's changing the terrain and the, and the challenging, and then you've got the situation with the, the boy who has made friends with the wolf. What's going to happen with that? So there's a lot yet to uh, lot yet to go. Yeah, excited about that, excited. So when the readers pick up a copy of The Dog Master and they read through it, and they're going to reread through it again and really get attached to it, is there one thing you want them to walk away with? Yeah, I, I think that uh, that's a great question because I, every author wants to have an impact on their audience. And uh, I would love it if people would walk away from the dogmaster, not, ne- not necessarily believing that this is what happened, but that this could have happened. And to really focus on just how important this partnership with dogs, with canines, was to us and has been uh, since 30,000 years ago. I really want them to look at it and say, yeah, that really was a turning point for us that might not have happened if it hadn't been for a person and a wolf coming together under circumstances we can only imagine, and that's what the dog master is. It's an imagining of those circumstances. Very good. I like it. I like it. All right, Bruce, before I let you go, I've got to go back. You've had some exciting times going on. I want to give everybody an update on the movie. A Dog's Purpose, your work with DreamWorks, and uh, uh, Catherine and Tucker and everybody that's involved in that program. Give us an update on the uh, the movie. Yeah, Tucker, my dog Tucker is sort of a technical advisor, <laughs> so <laughs> he gets to weigh in. He's got some notes on the script. Catherine and I wrote the screenplay. Other writers have since weighed in, but we wrote the original screenplay based on my book, A Dog's Purpose. It starts shooting pretty soon. It'll be out Currently, they're saying May of 2016. That's a deadline that my May slipped a little bit. But, uh, it's really fantastic. And Peggy Lipton and Dennis Quaid are in it. And then the other actors' names are starting to slide out of my, my mind. They're young actors because, of course, a dog's purpose concerns the life of a dog who reincarnates and remembers each life. And so you're checking in and out with the characters over a long period of time. Love it. Love it. So we're excited about that. Uh, congratulations on the great work and great news on that as well. And uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to uh, your and Catherine's and Tucker's cameos in the movie and uh, maybe a <laughs> couple of red carpet tickets. That'd be fine. Just don't forget who. who oh, that'd uh, be fine. Uh-huh. So we're excited about that as well. Well, listen. Okay. Everybody pick up a copy of The Dog Master, a novel of the first dog. It's available nationwide, and obviously uh, we'll post everything on the website. And uh, you guys are going to be thrilled with the book. Bruce, uh, great, great work as usual. Always fun talking to you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again somewhere shortly down the road. It's always a blast to talk to you, Tim. We'll check in when the movie's closer to being released. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Sounds great. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening to the show tonight, coming to the end of the show. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening for Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. 
I also thank our sponsors and producers for making the show possible. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show, you can go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on the Animal Rights icon, download all the wonderful episodes. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other wonderful hosts and shows on Pet Life Radio. There's a plethora of great entertainment, great interviews, and uh, great hosts on the uh, network. So it's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for this show, please email me at tim at petliferadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, an article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.